Osiris. Spotlight On is brought to you by Light, the technology platform reimagining e-commerce for live events. You can learn more about Light at light.com forward slash partnerships. That is L-Y-T-E dot com forward slash partnerships. Hello and welcome to Spotlight On, presented by Osiris Media. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. Today, the spotlight shines on Graham Lesh, co-founder of the band Midnight North and a member of Phil Lesh and the Terrapin Family Band, where he plays alongside his father, Grateful Dead bassist Phil Lesh. Graham shared some cool insight into how he and his bandmates in Midnight North approach their craft, their songwriting, their recording, and in live performance. He didn't shy away from process, but I think we kept it accessible. You be the judge. Thanks and enjoy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for making time. Totally. Totally. I mean, you were a minute early. Jeez, man. Wow. (laughs) It's part of that new healthy rock and roll, I think. Everybody's like into yoga and... And energy drinks and just, it makes it, you know, it's good. It makes you it's good. something like that. I'm in, I'm drinking coffee, even though it's the evening now where I am. I'm in New York. So my time zones are all messed up. So gotta, gotta <laughs> make sure that I, yeah, keep all my, my schedules in mind and really get, get it together. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm based, I'm from the East coast. Originally I was in New York for about 20 years and I'm actually in the Pacific Northwest now, which is where you're heading in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Not too long. Not too long. Well, it's going to be like two separate runs. There's the one run that starts in the mountains and goes to Spokane and then we go home. And then a couple of weeks later, we hit Portland and Seattle and Bend and places like that. Yeah. I think as people are listening to this, you will be probably days away from opening night. Perfect. Is New York home for you? No, I'm from the Bay Area. We have shows starting tomorrow with Phil Esch and Friends, just a bunch of them throughout the whole month. He does his residency at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, which is like a, an hour away from here. So yeah, I'm out here for that. Yeah. Is it hard for you to context switch between bands? Like how, how much time do you have to transition and what's that experience for you? It's not really anymore. Maybe that's just from experience now at this point. Every Phil Eschen Friends lineup is pretty different as well. So that sort of like helps with the, I, I got to keep an open mind every time, you know, and it's a, it's a different situation no matter what. Yeah, there's a little bit of, of, of that every time, but I think it's gotten less and less the more I do it. And yeah, this summer it was back and forth. Sometimes Midnight North would open for Phil and Friends. Sometimes it'd be back-to-back shows and one band on one night. And next night I'm, I'm with a different band. So it's all just music. And the, the only real confusion kind of comes when like we're doing some of the same music, like that same actual songs, but try and keep that to a minimum as well. Yeah. When Midnight North is opening for Phil and Friends, we're going to focus on our originals and not, <laughs> not, not try and, you know, do dead stuff the way that Phil and Friends would. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot what I was listening to the other day. There was another podcast and they were talking about one band open for the other and the opening act played all the headliner songs just to fuck with them. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. I'm very <laughs> curious about what that what that is. If I dig that out, I'll I'll go back yeah. and look through what I listened to and see if that's true. That, so that to me is like that. That's 
that's really award-winning trolling right there. Oh, for sure. For sure. You have to be like actually secretly like mortal enemies or like <laughs> really good friends to pull that off, you know? Yeah. I don't think it was a good friend situation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in getting myself familiar with your story, because I've, I've seen your name and I've heard your music, but I didn't know a lot. I didn't know a lot specifically about your story. Something that came up multiple times was the role that the venue that your family owned at Terrapin Crossroads, sort of what that played in both your decision actually to say, I'm going to do this and the ability to sort of have a place to hone your chops and to woodshed. The one thing I, that that sort of made me curious about that I never heard you address was what did you think you were going to do? You mentioned playing in bands in college. And I, I was just curious, like what was young Graham Lesh off to, to do in the world? I graduated in 2010 in the Bay area and I went with all my friends into tech. I'm not, I don't code or anything like that, but that was what I was going to do. Just work wherever I, I had various jobs and I was just going to stay on that and just play music when I could. But like, I'm sure you heard me say, I, I just was always going to play music. And then honestly, it was only like a year or so after I graduated that the idea for Terrapin Crossroads kind of really came into effect. Then from there, it was just like, it's kind of still a whirlwind kind of a thing where all of a sudden the family has this place and we got to fill it with music. And so I'm going to be one of the people doing that. And then all of a sudden I'm doing it full time. So that's kind of like the progression of it. I was just young and in San Francisco, I was going to do whatever. (laughs) It sort of conjures up an image of me of like, all right, kids, you got to go work on the family farm. (laughs) And the family farm just happened to be a concert venue. Yeah. I mean, it kind of was that sort of thing, except there was no real pushing of us. You know, my brother and I wanted to, to be involved how we could. And so we did. And it was a blast. And we kind of both were sort of starting new projects at the same time. And for me, that ended up becoming Midnight North. Like I'd met Elliot and Connor. Elliot's our other singer and guitar player and Connor's our bass player. I had met them like six months before Terrapin opened. And so we were like kind of rehearsing separately. And then I was like, you know, we might have a bunch of gigs at this place lined up and kind of just went from there. That's really neat. In your sort of artistic life, what sort of different itches get scratched between the studio and being out on the road? And, And just as sort of a corollary to that, in this day and age when like it's so uncertain what happens when an artist makes an album, why as a why as a, a young artist are you still drawn to that as the form or as the artistic statement? Mm. I mean, a lot of it's practicality. If you're gonna be in the studio, you might as well make ten songs instead of just one. And then there's all of the the time spent in the writing the songs and getting everyone together and actually recording the songs that it's just it's so much easier to just do a group of them at once and it you know it kind of works for our schedules too because when we're all touring at least midnight north we don't really get in there you know we love being in the studio we love the creation of songs and and a specific version of the song where we're kind of trying to create a definitive version of a song that you know then can get played with live in the future when you Talk about like why we want to make a record instead of, I don't know, putting out just individual pieces of music or something else. That's just for us. It's kind of the way it's always been done, but also the way it's that it's easy for us to like make a bunch of stuff. And we like making things. 
but we make them in a group. And you know what? Honestly, if someone at our record label wanted to just put them out a single at a time, whatever, that's the release part of it. That's the business part of it. We love having a vinyl record. We're kind of nerds that way, me less so than the rest of the band, but still a little bit of a vinyl nerd. And we love having that. We love making a physical thing, but really we just love making the music. And so there's the live part of making the music. And then we really do like focusing on the song, the construction and the layering and the the composition and everything. And that's the real re- reward. It, it doesn't really matter what form it takes when it goes out into the world. We actually just got last week, we were recording our new album in Northern California, Midnight North's new album. We were just talking about that with us in the band. And it's just like nowadays you build up to your big release day and you just, someone hits a button and then it's in the world. And it's like, <laughs> cool. What do we like do? We keep posting on social media. We do more interviews like this, but honestly, it's not like you can go to a store and a lot of times like pick it up at a CD or record store. So the reward doesn't have to be in the releasing of it into the world. It's a little more in the creation of the thing. Yeah. I don't want to belabor process too much because I, you know, oh, I, yeah, know no. I can talk process all day. <laughs> do you and or your bandmates, do you think in terms of the album? Like, like when you enter the studio, are you saying we've got 12 tracks, let's go bang them out and keep the best 10? Are you writing in the studio? Like how does, how does it work? Right. We've, we've kind of done it all with our first couple, actually our first few, we like only grabbed studio time where we could. And so it really was like, we had to be out playing these songs to get rehearsed. We would rehearse by playing them live a lot. So we really could like have a weekend in the studio, bang out four songs. Then we'd wait another four or five months and or whatever and write a few more, get really good at playing them live and then come bang them out in the studio. For our last couple, though, more because of circumstance, we sort of started writing and definitely tracking the songs in a different way. We wouldn't really play them live. We'd sort of like get them 80, 90 percent there and then bring them to the studio. And then that would be where we take it the rest of the way, each track. And that really worked for our last album. There's always a story, which we put out last year, but we tracked most of that record in January of 2020. And then we, a couple months later, we got sheltered in place kind of all across the country. Our drummer, Nathan, lives in Philadelphia. We were kind of all in different parts of the Bay Area, the rest of us. But we got to like, out of necessity, take our time and really focus on the songs and set up our home recording situations and send them all to the engineer. And that, that creative process was really unique, but I think helped the final the final thing, the the songs and the definitely my like guitar playing and layering and a lot of the harmony ideas that weren't from the original creative process, I think really improved as we as we got deeper into the pandemic and, you know, had even more and more time to just like be listening to the stuff over and over. And so we sort of check for this new one that we're that we're working on now. We're sort of trying to do that same sort of thing, but without the pandemic of it all. We're not recording any songs that are in our live rotation but we are trying to like actually get together we did try and actually get together and rehearse them as if so we're not totally going in with like me not knowing the chords to this one of Elliot's songs being prepared but not kind of overdoing it how much do you work out vocal arrangements in advance or is it just you get into the studio and hit it like that 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 always intrigues me with bands with multiple singers yeah how much of it's actually worked out for this one, 
was kind of song by song. A couple of them, we, we kind of jumped on the harmonies really quickly and they, they flowed really easily. A bunch of them, we have like ideas, but haven't tracked them yet. And so they can still change, you know, we kind of have this sort of two part harmony thing going and, you know, we'll bring in Nathan, our drummer. He sings a little bit. We can o- always overdub stuff, but it's sort of less harmonies and more kind of like counter melodies is what we're working on now. And those are like, we're taking a little more time with. When it's just straight three-part harmonies, then it usually is either I write the melody or Elliot writes the melody and she and I kind of work up what the harmony is going to be for that song based on the original writer's sort of intent and where they're hearing harmonies and, and stuff like that. We've sung together for so long at this point that it it comes really naturally. So for this new album, we're actually working with our friend Amy Helm as the producer, who's a wonderful singer obviously, and has such an amazing ear for harmonies and all vocal stuff and all all musical stuff too, but especially the harmony stuff. So we have our like way of like Elliot and I will sing together and we'll both be like, yes, that's it. But, you know, sometimes it's cool to have an outside ear be like, well, what if you tried that? And it wouldn't be what we'd think of first, but it, it ends up being really cool. I'm excited for some of that to come to fruition on this, on this new project when we get back at it. How did you come to choose Amy or did Amy come to choose you to sit in the producer's chair? We asked Amy earlier this year, we had gotten together a bunch. I'm old friends with Amy and that's actually where we, my family got the idea for Terrapin Crossroads was Levon Helm's Barn when we went in 2010, I believe, with my whole family and we opened up for the Levon Helm band and hung out with Levon and and Amy and, and his whole band and and family. And it was, you know, this wonderful thing. So we've been friends kind of ever since and been doing more musical collaborating in the last few years. And yet Elliot and I hung out with Amy early 2022 at the day after we played a a show at the barn. We wrote some music. It was great. And then like the way that Amy thinks and talks about our music and our singing and, and sort of all that, I don't know, the way the conversations that we had just like made us think it would be a really cool, cool thing to work on some music with the band, the four of us and her. And so, yeah, we asked her and she was like, that sounds like a blast. And it was. So, yeah, it worked out great. Certainly as a as a listener, it's sort of easy to track. But I wonder if as the as the principal, you have a similar experience. And the question being, can you feel the progression in the songwriting? Certainly on the last album, it seems like there was yes. a, there was a, a major just jump in sophistication. And, and I wonder what that's like. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that too. We took a bunch of time between the last album and the one before. Just everyone's schedules, really. We, we were just kind of hitting the road really hard and just never had time to really get to it until the early 2020. And then the pandemic delayed everything a little further and all that stuff. But the other thing was bringing Nathan, Nathan Graham, our drummer, into the band. You know, he's an awesome claw hammer banjo player. And he's got a great voice and he's a really cool songwriter, too. So just even the songs that he didn't write and he wrote a couple on the on the last album. But even the songs he didn't write, he's got a really cool ear for helping us fine tune and hone, you know, the lyrics to me and Elliot's songs to the chords or the the grooves and everything. And I yeah, it kind of all just came together. And I, I think it's really step, hopefully, and you know, however long when we put this next one out, it'll be a further growth from there. 
Because, yeah, Nathan kind of joined full-time in 2018 or so, something like that. We've known him since 2016. You know, he's been there around for six years now, but this last one was the first studio record that we uh, made with him. So very excited to, like, keep this era of the band with so much potential for growth, keep that going and keep growing in that direction. I would imagine that having multiple songwriters is sort of a unique advantage, right? You get, you get a diversity of sound. There's, there's more, there's more palette to play with. It also seems like it could be contentious, right? Like, is there a, is there a song count per album or like, how, how oh, do you decide? No. You know what I mean? Like how, how do yeah. songs make it? We kind of self edit, honestly. I, I think Elliot and I, like when we met, when we all met and started playing, it really was like, I had like, five songs and she had five songs and we're just like cool let's learn each other's songs and that became our first album so it was like the Graham Les EP and the Elliot Peck EP like just like smashed together and that was the first Midnight North album and sort of even since then even when we write together it like it really is like what is best for the song it's it's not so much like if she wants to sing one of my songs and it's way better like that's how it should be for the band, for presenting stuff for the band, we do want to show everything we can do with every sort of release and everything. So we're not going to like just have a whole album of just me singing or just her singing because that's not all we can do. But, you know, we also kind of self-edit before we even bring ideas to each other. So like when I'm writing and something's not good, I'm not going to like show Elliot that song or the rest or show Connor or show Nathan those songs, you know? And so we kind of this time and actually for, for there's always a story as well, sort of like went into the studio as soon as we got enough material. And it sort of naturally was like, there's four Elliot songs. There's four Graham songs. There's one we both sing. There's one that Nathan sings. There's one that's all in harmony. You know, it kind of just like, we write at a similar pace. And so like when we each have four or five songs, we're like, cool, let's start working on these. It's time. Yeah. 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 What is the pace of your output? Like, are you a song machine? Do you, do you belabor oh, no. every one? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I always find that fascinating. I, it, it comes and goes, you know, it really is like, I don't know. I can't explain it with, for me at least. Can you create an environment for it to happen? I can put myself in a situation where it can't happen. And that is being on the road, honestly. Like I, we can, we can be jamming at soundcheck or something and come up with musical ideas, but I can't really write lyrics or vocals all that well when I'm on the road. And I know Elliot's kind of the same way. So it really is like when we have some time off, when we're not kind of around the band, then we, we can, can really focus in on it. And I'll basically, I'll just, kind of get bored at home and be at home and be noodling on the guitar and something will happen. That's usually how it starts for me. I've tried all the ways. There was a, there's a time actually right after we met Nathan where like I couldn't really start anything, but I was really prolific at like finishing other people's songs. So I, you know, a couple of the, the Midnight North songs on the last album are kind of from that. Someone would have a chorus and I'd write a verse and stuff like that. But there's other times where, you know, I'll through compose something and be like, oh, cool, this is done. That took 45 minutes. Great. <laughs> you know, don't need to do anything more. So it really, it depends. There's, there's one on this new album that I, Elliot recommended. I, I listened to the Jeff Tweedy songwriting book 
on yeah, tape. Yeah, great book. Great book. And he had some tips on there and I followed one of them and boom, there was a song. It was like, whoa, crazy. That worked, but it hasn't worked since <laughs> necessarily, you know, but at that moment it definitely worked. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's all, it comes when it comes and just try and keep, keep myself open to it. Did he read the book on tape? Yeah, yeah. he did. Because when I read the book, I, I could hear his voice saying a lot of the shit, you know? Totally. And what's cool about the book on tape and why Elliot recommended it was he'll play some of the examples of like uh, the songs that he, so listening to the actual performance was super helpful with that. It's just different parts of your brain when you see stuff versus hear it. There's a real generosity of spirit in that book. When I picked it up and I was reading it, I, it was, it's such a sweet book, but it's also like, it's so immensely practical. Like, it's really uh, it's a special little any creative person should should stick. Yeah, that in their I back need to pocket. give it another another listen through. There's no reason not to read things over and over, or listen to things over and over when they're that well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much of a theory yeah. guy are you? Are you trained? Yeah, I, I took a bunch of, of theory when I was a kid because I started in music on piano and that's just how you learn piano. And then I took some more in college because I was a got a minor in music. It wasn't music theory, but you know, I took all the classes for that. And then every sort of group that you are a part of, or, you know, ensemble that I, you know, you're a part of, you kind of have to find a different way of communicating. It's like every group kind of has its own theory. My dad is, you know, knows all of the theory as perfect pitch is, is a genius musician so like whenever i'm in phil and friends there's like that one way of talking where i have to kind of know the theory and some of the other musicians i play with are kind of the same way and then for some it's it's garage band lingo and that that's its own kind of its own kind of thing and you know midnight north right in the middle of that a big part of it and so i can nerd out plenty and the rest of the the players are know their fair share of it for sure we're not writing stuff as complicated as great blood music a lot of the times, uh, or at least some of the, <laughs> like my dad's stuff. But um, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to have just mostly the knowledge of what your musical compatriots, how they talk and how to talk to them. And it's really just, yeah, finding the right way to communicate. To answer your question, I, I know some theory, but I, it's not always the totally necessary thing in, <laughs> yeah. in rock and roll. It's interesting to to the 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 combination of of sort of musical intelligence but also emotional intelligence is sort of what you're talking about is like to modulate your yeah what, what of the theory you bring to the situation because you you may not the situation may not call for it yeah and there's so many players that are absolutely musically intelligent they just don't have the technical language or the same technical language like especially you hear about these monster national players and their their theory is very specific and the way they talk about stuff is very specific but it's no less amazing and like genius level than than it you know any classical person but it's a totally different lingo for for kind of saying the same things sometimes it's just what what language you're speaking it in almost yeah we'll be back with more spotlight on presented by osiris media after this break and now Back to Spotlight On. How hard was it to fire the band back up and shake off the rust after COVID? Live, it was, it wasn't, I think we were more just excited about the whole thing. I mean, we did a few shows in late 2020, like pod style uh, at Terrapin Crossroads. And so, you know, it was home turf and 
we spent some time getting some rehearsals in and we were just so excited to be finally playing some of our new music because we hadn't played any of these. There's always the story songs before that, but we'd all been playing some even sheltered in place across the country. And uh, yeah, it sort of worked itself out. We got really lucky with all of our timing with all of that. And then, you know, each show, it was just like, we were excited to get back even further. And then by last summer, we, we were just riding all those COVID waves. It was kind of weird. You know, every time we'd end a tour, there'd be another variant or something. It would, it was crazy, but we kept getting our shows in right, right under the wire of all the, all the shutdowns and everything. That's incredible. Do you guys take time off or like, is it tour, take a week, go back out? Like how, what's your, what's your, what's your cadence as a band? It changes. And this summer was, was tough because it was really busy because we were saying yes to everything after COVID and everything was very frantic. And when we said yes to stuff, we weren't sure what sort of the world was going to look like. So now we're back out. We can chill it out a little much. Our fall tour is, is pretty typical, honestly, a couple weekends in a row and then take some time off and then a couple weekends in a row. We've Midnight North with all of the stuff that that we all do that's outside of Midnight North, we really do have a lot of time to, or we, we don't hit it as much as as some bands do just because individually we're all doing a ton, but we'll probably play 50 to 100 shows a year instead of 150. 100 is no, uh, no slouch. No, it's true. We probably never actually got into that as Midnight North, but yeah, we'll, we'll go on little runs and, and then be home for a while for everyone to do there they're separate things or rights or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like talking to an author, like every, everything they do is right. They can go for a walk in the woods and it's writing. Like it's every experience yeah. is coming into the, were there a lot of fits and starts for you? Like were, were you, were you caught up in that cancellation wave? Did you have a lot of times where you were geared up and then you had to shut it down or you were saying you were kind of lucky, but did that extend to actual at the gig level? Yes, it did. I mean, everything shut down at once at the very beginning. We we were in that wave, but then we didn't really try and do anything as Midnight North until like November or so of 2020. And then there's the other waves that happened, yeah. but we didn't have anything scheduled for then until I think we, we had a couple shows again at Terrapin. So everyone coming to California who wasn't from California, we had a couple shows, I think in April of 2021. And then we were just like, very lucky from there on out. We got ahead of the curve. And so June of 2021, when all of us thought that we're going to be in the roaring 20s and it's going to all be back to, you know. <laughs> yeah, remember that? This was supposed to be like decadence and, and <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> we had a like a, a tour in June of 2020. The whole thing sold out. It was kind of like lower capacity, but it didn't matter because, you know, it was we were outside and everyone was having a good time and we d kept that going kind of, I think through like maybe July of 2021. And then our bass player had his daughter who's lovely. And so we were always planning to take a couple months off in July and August and September of, of 2021. And that's boom, there's Delta. And then we like that wave subsides. I'm like, okay, we're going to go out on fall tour. And we go out on fall tour a year ago, October, November, December, do a bunch of touring. It's great. Everything's awesome. Uh, and I know where this is going. <laughs> we're taking another couple months off. Everyone's got to go home for the holidays. Like, yeah. eh, this is going to be cool. And boom, Omicron. It just like, it kept happening. 
like right when the waves were like about to hit, we would have like months before made the decision not to tour during that during those times. We just got really lucky. So yeah, we didn't have to actually cancel any shows because of COVID until this summer. That was like almost okay because of how frantic everything was in summer. So I mean, we were disappointed at the time, but we got to do most of the shows this summer at probably a higher rate than a lot of bands. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is what it is. You mentioned a minute ago that all the band members are busy. There's there's a lot of other things you do. Would you all agree that Midnight North is your main thing? Or do you need to have that discussion? Like, is it like, how does that? It's kind of unspoken, but yeah, I mean, it's everyone. It's really all of our main outlet for original material, you know, and there's so many other aspects of being in bands. But yeah, I mean, we all we all have chosen chosen this it's the what we ask of each other it like we don't need to like speak it you know there's no blood oath yeah it's <laughs> it's just like understood like everyone would have stopped years ago if <laughs> if this wasn't the case you know and, and especially during the pandemic it's it, i'm sure for a lot of bands it was hard to to stay together but we just like had this creative outlet to keep working on this project this album and eventually the hope of someday playing shows again you know, that kind of kept us going and working and we made a little cash on the side selling merch, you know, that helped everyone during the, during the shutdowns and everything. And I don't know, we have so much fun in this band and we don't overdo it. You know, I think if we did tour 200 days a year, then, you know, people would be a lot more likely to burn out, but we, we keep everyone doing exactly as much as we need to and try and just make it fun for everyone. And I think that's really important. Are you still able to be a fan? Do you listen to music or are you one of those artists that you have to be careful because it'll rub off on you or? I definitely am able to be a fan, but it comes in waves with, if I don't have time to listen to stuff, but and when I'm at home and I have some time off, I'm listening to plenty of, of music and it's, Usually not Midnight North or The Grateful Dead. <laughs> but a lot of it is is our friends. You know, I'll, I, I loved Amy Helm's last record. There's plenty of plenty of music. My wife and I and, and Elliot all went to see Brandi Carlisle's IMAX thing a few weeks ago. She like performed her whole last album like live, but to IMAX theaters. So we went to the IMAX in San Francisco and watched that and loved it. And those sorts of things are, are really cool. And living this life, we get to meet so many people and some of them I was fans of before I ever met them. And now we're friends and now I can go to their shows and love the music and also get to actually hang, you know? So it's nice to be able to be a fan as well. I, I know that not everyone is able to in, in this line of work. <laughs> it is yeah, no, and, I, and I've specifically heard other songwriters talk about how mm -hmm. they have to be careful because they find themselves like subconsciously cribbing stuff and like, They'll they'll come up with something and then they'll realize when they play it back, like, oh shit, that's <laughs> that's such yeah, a story. yeah. I I think I've never had that happen, but I can I can see it happening. But I you know we got to distrust in all of the people around us to be like, hey, dude, you just like you just ripped up whoever you know. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's an iterative form. I mean, rock and roll is yeah, is, oh totally, pretty iterative totally. Form. I mean, we yeah, we yeah. try and be as original as we can, but there's only so many chords. <laughs> where else do you get inspiration like so you're a music fan you still listen to music but like what else do you take in are you a film guy do you read like both of those for sure i watch i mean i definitely love movies 
and definitely ideas from that. But, you know, a lot of just the life and what's happening in the world. Watch a lot of sports and just try and keep myself in all the different headspaces to keep mentally healthy. And it all swirls around and comes out however it, it does, you know. So what do we have to expect with this next run of shows? Are you going to start to play with any of the new material live or are you going to keep that away? That's till a it's really done? good question. I, I kind of want to now that we've actually tracked some of it in the studio. We made some arrangement changes to some of the songs. And, and once we all get together and actually lay it down, some decisions get made that I'm really excited about. So yeah, maybe, maybe we will. That would be really cool to start working that, that stuff up. But, you know, we're still, still really focused on the last album, that there's always a story. And that material has just been feeling so good. I mean, just the difference in playing the material from this record compared to the last ones, compared to Under the Lights, where we, we really did like kind of play those songs to death before we even tracked them. And so the album finally comes out and we're like, that's cool, but I got all these other ones or I'm, I'm not as excited about them anymore. So going through that process after the album came out with this new one is really exciting. So, you know, we're going to definitely keep really focusing on, on the there's always a story material, but I would love to, to throw some, some of the new ones in there. Some of them are really cool. We try and make all of our shows, you know, a party of some kind and we'll throw in our, our fun covers and, and all that good stuff as well. One other quick question on, on the actual format of the show do all of your studio songs get a moment to be played live or are there songs that you've never played live i think we've played all of them at some point there's a lot we haven't played from the first couple albums we haven't played them in years we kind of each tour have a rehearsal or a, even just a like a long phone call before we meet up and just like these are the songs we're going to try and focus on for this run we're not doing totally different set lists every day like the dead or anything like that or at least like different songs each show. We'll switch around the order. There's probably half the songs that are pretty consistent show to show. We'll play them. And then there's, you know, covers and stuff that we rotate out. And I've got my notes app that's full of all the past set lists because that's where I, I write them usually 20 minutes before the show. You know, I'll check and see if we're in a location we've just been in or something. We'll, we'll try and switch it up. So, so no one's getting the exact same show twice. I, I think in our playing, we keep things fresh. Just we're not the Grateful Dead level like jamming or anything, but we're not going to play in anything the same way twice. You know, the songs are a framework and within them we're, we get to be pretty creative. So it's always interesting about the music that comes from, I, 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 I'm almost self-conscious to use the word, but sort of the Americana or a roots music <laughs> genre. Because yeah. some bands seem like they perfect the ideal incarnation of a song and it gets sort of locked live and in the studio. And then other bands, they play with it. And maybe it's not as rigid as a band has a philosophy. Maybe some songs, they achieve their ideal and you stop fucking with them. But it's really interesting how that works. Whereas other more like, I guess like performative or, you know, I think of like heavy metal, like those bands, I don't think they're messing with the arrangements constantly. Whereas more Acoustic. Probably not song to song or show to show. Yeah, that's right. They might have an era where they change the arrangement, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon to watch and to see how different bands approach it and, and what and what different songs sort of demand. Yeah. And you know, I think the songs that we play live are the ones that we can 
get creative with. And the ones that sort of we've recorded and sort of fell by the wayside are the ones that that we don't totally always know how to pull off live or have gotten in a rut. Or if they only work in this one way, then maybe we get bored of them. We, we've kind of done both things that you're talking about. Like I was saying, like in some of these older albums, we did try and like we played them live and played them live and played them live until we like came up with the way that we play them. And then we tracked it in the studio. And now we're kind of doing the other thing where the songs come in a little less fully formed and we record them in one way, whatever that way is. And then now we have the freedom and live to like really explore and be like, oh, what, what if we like went off into this, this mode after the bridge? You know what? I'm just making up examples, but we can get a little more creative with the arrangements and the songs with songs that we haven't fully played to death <laughs> to use the word the, the phrase that i already used earlier <laughs> yeah yeah well listen i i appreciate you making time to do this looking forward to having you in our neck of the woods in a couple of weeks yeah absolutely but thank you so much and i hope to see you on the road yes thank you for having me thank you so much graham lesh and thank you Ariel rosenberg for connecting us as always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On. We're presented by Osiris Media and brought to you by Light. Executive producers are Lawrence Purrier, Ant Taylor, Brian Brinkman, RJB, and Matt Dwyer. Spotlight On is produced by Craig Snyder, with post-production by Michael Donaldson, and theme music by Q-Burn's Abstract Message. If you like what you've heard, please share us with a friend and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Visit us online at SpotlightOnPodcast.com or at SpotlightOnPod on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Be safe and stay in touch. Osiris. Oh,